Hey everybody, welcome to the Toowoomba Vineyard Church podcast. We are a brand new church here in Toowoomba, Queensland, and we are discovering the joy of following Jesus together. If you want to find out more about what we're up to, stick around at the end for the details. But in the meantime, we hope you enjoy this message. So I have a story to tell you, and I'm a bit nervous bringing it because you all think of me as this, you know, really upstanding pastor um, who's never done anything wrong in his life. Um, It turns out that's not the case. I actually do have a criminal past, and I want to tell you about my criminal past. Um, So I was... In year nine, I did elective Latin. I actually did Latin all the way through to the end of high school, and I did, I did the most amount of Latin you could do, and I was really good at it. It was my best subject by far. But this one time in year nine elective Latin, there were like seven of us in a grade of 220 year nine students. We arrived at, the, at our classroom, and the teacher didn't show up. So you, the way you'd, you'd sort of stand outside the class and the teacher would come and let you in. And so 10, 15 minutes had gone by and there's no teacher. So we, we realised the door was open. So we just let ourselves in. We opened our Latin books and started to, you know, talk to each other in Latin as you do. Um, but then, then the, there's no teacher. We're like 25 minutes into the class and someone throws a pen at someone. Like, you know, like you nine kids do just automatically. And then there was a retaliation. The pen went back. And fast forward another 10 minutes, we had the desks turned sideways and built into forts. We had, um, there was this big box, you know those like little twisty crayon pens that kids, you give to kids? We had like a massive box of them that was just being hurled around the classroom. Like people were being hit in the eye, like marks were being made on the walls and it was just absolute chaos and I was of course participating very enthusiastically in all of this uh, but then the, the final straw like the, the, the final phase of the battle um, one of my friends grabs this box with like a hundred pens in it and he throws it up at the fan <laughs> and, and we have pens going everywhere like like, it was just, it was like duck for cover. Like, it was like a pen bomb went off in the room. And as, as we were looking at the pens going everywhere, we looked and saw our teacher standing in the doorway. <laughs> and you know what he did? He looked at the situation. He turned around and he walked out. <laughs> and so we used the last 10 minutes of the lesson to clean up, you know, get all the marks off the walls uh, so it was ready for the next class. Because we were Latin students, right? <laughs> So why am I sharing this story? Um, well, there, is, there, are, there are three reasons. The first one is because it's funny and, you know, I just wanted to make you laugh. Uh, the second one is I did want to, you know, confess to, to this beautiful community that I do have, you know, a, a past. But the, the main reason I'm sharing this story is I just, I want you to hold the image of like throwing a box of pens up at the fan and you can imagine exactly how that, that's going to go. Um, that's kind of what, it's a very tenuous link, but that's kind of what we're going to do today is, so we're talking about vision today. The, the title I've given it is, Why on Earth Does Woman Need Another Church? And what I want to do today is rather, like normally I would give you a very well-constructed, really inspirational vision talk so we all go away with a clear picture of what church is going to look like in the future and everything is wonderful and we're all inspired and, and off we go. 
I want to be a little bit more collaborative than that. And I basically just want to throw a whole bunch of ideas out at you or up at the proverbial fan and just see where they land. Oh, yeah, we can turn that on and we can try and do a practical later. Um, Look, if you, do, if you do want to get a sense, if you've come rec- more recently, and in fact, if you've come since we started meeting in public, then I'd encourage you to listen to podcasts number one and number 11, because they kind of articulate the vision in very simple terms. So if you want to know what we're doing here, then they'd be really good talks to listen to. Um, but what we're going to do today is just, yeah, throw, throw a whole bunch of big ideas at the fan and just see where they land. And the point is not for you to remember all of the things that I say. Like, it's not a teaching in that sense. It's more, I just want you to pay attention to what does the Holy Spirit, like, kind of put on your heart, or what does he highlight to you as we chat? And if, if you just walk away with one or two things, like, the idea is not for you to retain information, but the idea is to get you thinking. And this talk requires a response. So whether that's after church today, whether you send us an email during the week, um, whether you just sit on it for a little while and it comes out in a couple of months' time, I want, you to, I want you to chew on what we talk about. And I want to turn this into a discussion. Because my hope is that we're not the kind of church where Jen and I have this grand vision and you're either in or you're out. Our hope is that we actually catch a vision and build a vision together. And how, how does that work? Well, we'll see in a second. Um, but yeah, so today requires some kind of response. The way we're going to do it on the next slide, um, the way that we're going to do it is, uh, is summed up by this diagram. Now, if you're a, like a business person or um, you're into like growth hacking or any of that, you've probably seen this diagram. The most watched TED Talk of all time, or at least last time I checked, uh, was this talk called Start With Why by a management consultant named Simon Sinek. And he gives us this diagram. It's really simple. Three concentric circles. In the center is why. The next circle out is how. And the next circle out from that is what. So what? So that the outside circle, that's talking about the things that we do. If, if I'm using us as an example, that's the ministries that we have as a church, the programs, the Sunday services, small groups, the stuff that we actually do is that outside circle. The next layer out is... Um, is the how, what's our approach to these things? How do we go, like, what's our unique take on Sundays, on small groups, on serving the poor, on ministries? How, how do we do those things? And then the inside circle is the why. What problem, as a church, what problem in Toowoomba are we solving? Why, why are we here? What unique call do we have that's different from every other church in Toowoomba? And the way that churches usually go, there's, you can take this diagram a, a step further when you apply it to, to church, is that we naturally, we start in the center and we naturally drift outwards. So typically when a church starts, and, and this is our experience, you know, we're a brand new church and so we're absolutely soaked in the why. Like there's a very strong sense of why we're here. You know, we're a new church, we're, we're growing, we're, you know, we're seeing people come, we're introducing people to Jesus. It's this new exciting phase and then when you've when you've talked about the why for a little bit you naturally then go well okay how are we going to go about fulfilling that mission and so we kind of you know and so we start to talk about well what's our unique flavor what's our culture going to be you know how are we going to go about doing the things that motivate us to be a church and then but then what happens is I mean and then you need to have the what conversation you need to go okay well what 
ministries and programs, what things are we, you know, what things are we putting in our calendar that we do as a church. But the danger, churches naturally drift from the why through the how and towards the what. And the, the worst thing that can happen to a church is that they get fixated on the what. You know, you're, you're so fixated on what ministries and programs are we doing? What, what does our calendar look like as a church? What, what things are we putting on to keep people entertained? You know, Christian entertainment. And, and you get stuck there. And you know what we call that? When you're stuck in the what and you lose sight of the why, we call that religion. And so as a church, we're going to talk a lot about our why and our how because if we don't do that, then we end up in that dead religion space and that's where churches go to die. We don't want that to be our story. You know, where, like I said before, we're in the early days and so it's easy to kind of be excited about church, but as we go through you know, we, we do the planting thing. We have Sundays as, as things kind of ramp up. We're going to get to that, the point where it doesn't feel like a new church anymore. And so the thing that we need to do, we all need to do, is we keep, all need to keep connected to our why. And so what we're going to do this morning, the way we're going to approach this, this message, is we're going, to go through, uh, we're going to go through the why. Why are we here? We're going to go through our how. We're going to go through our what. We're going to spend quite a lot of time in why. So don't freak out when we get to the end of that and you're like, wow, this is going to go for an hour. And then, but then at the end, we're going to pray um, because it's so, we just, we, I feel like if God is going to do something through us in our city, in our nation, then it has to start with prayer. So we're going to finish off with that. Um, but you're all already open to Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 to 30. So let's just really brief, uh, really briefly read that together. Just the last, oh, we'd love feedback on our app. I feel like it does this to me every Sunday. Ask me later. I always say, I don't like your app. Like, yeah, I know. It's like I do like the app. I, it's like you know, a conversation. I don't want to. I don't want to say go away, but you know, I don't really want to interact with you right now. <laughs> That's how I feel about the app. Okay, Matthew eleven twenty eight to thirty says, "Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from uh, learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart." and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That's really simple little three-verse passage. That's our vision as a church. Um, when we first arrived in Toowoomba, Jen and I committed to spend at least three months. It ended up being um, almost six months just waiting on the Lord, getting to know the city and asking, okay, God, what are you doing here? What are we bringing um, that, you, that you need done in Toowoomba? What are you already doing that we can partner with, Lord? And we re- really felt like he gave us that verse. Why? Well, um, a big part of it is um, because I believe that we live in a society that is bought into the idea of hurry. Got that on the next slide. There we go. Yeah, okay, so we, we're talking through the why now. So you've got my helpful illustration there. So you remember where we are in the diagram. Um, if you're not personally affected by it, then you're probably aware that we are living in a time of very high inflation. It seems to be coming down. Um, you know, Jen and I, we made the smart move of getting a mortgage just before things went bananas. Um, but wasn't... Well, anyway, um, we can talk about that later over coffee. Um, but... 
the, the headlines at the moment are all about the cost of living, inflation. Um, and inflation, it's this idea that over time, things get more expensive. And then in theory, our wages should go up so that we can afford things, but then, and then maybe wages go up and then inflation goes up. It's this kind of dance um, that most of us are aware of because of the way the world is right now. But I want to argue that in exactly the same way that um, the cost of living sort of just naturally increases over time, I think the demand that society puts on our time has exactly the same thing. You know, we're living in a world where there's this increasing demand on us uh, to be present, to be productive, to be active, to be doing things, to be, you know, contributing to society more and more and more and more. And, you know, the great irony of technology is that technology is supposed to give us more time so that we can spend time doing things we love, like being creative, creating art, creating poetry. You know, the great irony is now technology is writing poetry, creating uh, beautiful images, creating art, while we're answering emails on our phones. But the thing, the thing is, and I think what we sometimes get wrong in this, is it's not actually a technology issue. Like, technology is a tool, isn't it? It's like a really advanced hammer or like an angle grinder. Like, it's just a, it's a tool for a purpose. The issue is not actually the technology. It's actually a people issue. And it's the way we use it and what we're doing with it. And it's our expectations. Now, I'm going to not go any further down that rabbit hole right now. Um, although I'd love to, but there's this book which happened to appear. Who just who returned that? Who? Oh yes, thank you. You guys are awesome. Um, it was really well timed. This book is probably it's the Ruthless Elimination of Hurry um, by John Mark Comer. Um, this probably is the best diagnosis of the issue of hurry that I've ever read in a modern society. Um, so it's come back to me. So if someone else wants to borrow this uh, today, feel free to take it home. It's just on the front seat here. Um, just let me know you have it so I know where it's gone. Um, but I, I think it does a wonderful job of actually diagnosing what the issue is with our society. But the problem is, and, and where, this, where this affects us as a church, is I think the church has actually bought into this idea of hurry. You know, we exist in a time where churches, with all the right motivations, say, how do we have the most impact on our city? How do we help people the most? And so we just there's this kind of like organizational creep that happens in churches where you get more programs and more things to do and more nights of the week you need to commit and you have more meetings and you know more relationships and it just kind of goes up and up and up until church is just kind of it kind of takes over your life now there's this amazing uh book i haven't I haven't actually read it yet, I have to confess, but it's got the best title. Uh, it's by Walter Brueggemann, and the title is Sabbath as Resistance. How good's that? Sabbath as Resistance. And so we're talking about the why of our church. My question to us is, what if we could mount a resistance against the culture of hurry in our society and in our church? What if we could actually, as a church, learn how to embody an unhurried life? If we could learn how to embrace Sabbath, embrace rest, embrace wholeness and joy, what if we could discover how to do that together and, and almost like live unhurried lives as an act of resistance against this expectation in our society? Wouldn't that be amazing? And that's why, that, if you still got it open, that passage in Matthew, I think Jesus absolutely nails the solution to that.
It's, it's walking in step with him. This image of being yoked to Jesus. A yoke was like a thing that you'd put onto oxen and you'd get two oxen next to each other and you would yoke them together. You'd usually get an older, more experienced one and then a younger, less experienced one together. And then they would pull the plow and they would do the farming things that I don't really understand because I'm from the city. Um, but, but the idea is you have these two oxen yoked together, and, but they have to walk at the same pace, right? And I think Jesus' pace is so much different to ours. So when we, when we want to walk in step with Jesus, we actually have to slow down and, and go at his pace rather than the frenetic pace that society wants us to. Anyway, I got a bit carried away with that one. That was very exciting. So why? Um, because we live in a society that's brought into hurry, and I think we can mount a resistance to that. Okay, number two. Why are we here? Because, and on the next slide, we live in a society that is deeply divided, and it's getting worse. There's this idea out there in the world that everything, like every issue sort of exists on a linear scale. And so if take a topic... Um, you know, whatever, whatever topic it is. And on one side, you have the people who are anti that thing. And then on the other side, you have the people who are pro that thing. And, and the, the issue is one dimensional, which means that you're either anti or pro or you're somewhere in the middle. You know, like we, we love to talk about left and right. That's a good example, like political left and right. And so either you're politically left, either you're politically right, or you, you fit somewhere in the middle. But the truth is things don't exist in one dimension. You know, these issues are usually three-dimensional. And so defining them, defining things in terms of this linear scale is actually really unhelpful. You know, it's, it's the, the black versus white, conservative versus progressive, pro versus anti. What if the most radical option for the church is not picking a side and fighting for it, but actually creating a space where people with all different opinions can come and actually learn to coexist. Wouldn't that be incredible? I mean, you're not supposed to do that in society. I mean, the irony of this whole, this, this kind of deeply divided world is that people who think they're standing up for justice uh, against hate usually do it by hating on the people who are hating, and it just creates more hate, and it just goes around in circles, doesn't it? And I think the church is so guilty of doing that. So what if we can actually radically create a space where we can all just come and worship Jesus together? We can ask questions of each other. We can learn from each other. And I think we'll actually be stronger for it. Um, Joe, uh, as a party who passes the uh, Seventh-day Adventist church across the road, um, I've had coffee with him a few times recently. He's an amazing guy, Canadian. He's got a PhD, and his PhD is in intergenerational discipleship. So he's really interested in how, how do we create churches where the generations actually come together? And what his research found was really interesting, because for me, I usually think of it in terms of like mentoring and discipleship. And, um, you know, you have people a few years older than you who you can look up to and learn from. You have people a few years younger who you can sort of disciple in the same way. And that's part of it. But the biggest thing that he found in his research was actually that when you get the generations together... It's, it's hard because people in different generations have different views on things. Like, we all know that, right? We have different ideas on things to other generations. And what happens is when the generations work together, cooperate and listen to each other, everyone benefits 
because you get a wider perspective. I just thought that was fascinating that that was the outcome of this intergenerational research. Now, just to be really clear, there are issues. We're not just going to be a completely neutral church on everything because there are times where you actually do need to take a stand on issues on social justice. You know, something that we we are very outspoken about and passionate about as a church is empowering women in leadership, giving women the mic, letting women preach and actually fully, not just kind of in a, in a token way, like fully embracing um, women and men leading together. That's something we're very passionate about and that's something that we will take a stand on. Um, you know, racism is evil. Like, we're not going to be politically neutral on racism. Like, but at the same time, we want to create a space where we can come together and have these conversations because the church should be the best place to do that. So, so our second why is because we're deeply divided and it's getting worse. What if we could actually embody um, the opposite of that? Number three, why are we here? Because the church has lost its place in Australian society. I tossed up whether to say we've lost our place or whether we're losing, but I think it's time to kind of call it right and say that the, the role that church has played as, a, as an authority and as a as a respectable part of Australian society, I think that ship has sailed, to be really honest. You know, I I probably don't need to explain why that is. You know, you just think about headlines that have come out over over decades. You know, the the inquiry into the Catholic Church and sex abuse um, is is a really good example. You know, the way that... uh, the church, you know, what, what have been the loudest voices that the church has put into the media? It's just been all about our, our, our religious freedom, right? And it really pains me that that's the case because, you know, in the early church, they were famous and they were hated for being too loving, too inclusive, um, too kind to, to strangers, too hospitable. You know, the church in its infancy, started hospitals and started universities and and pioneered all these things. And that's what they were famous for. And that's what got them into trouble. Whereas it's exactly the opposite now. Like we're famous for digging our heels in and not actually engaging with the issues that Jesus is most passionate about. You know, what if the loudest voice in the church, what if the thing that society heard us fighting for wasn't our own freedom, but freedom for refugees? Now, wouldn't that be a different story? I, I read this article this week, thank you for sending it to me, Hannah, and it was, it was about, it was all these people being interviewed about the reason why they were leaving the church, and, and they, it, there was like 1,200 respondents, and they shared a lot of the data, like on whole, but they shared a lot of the quotes, and I got to the end and I thought, you know what, these are all actually very good reasons, like people have really good reasons for leaving the church, and it breaks my heart, you know, I... I really, really love the church. I've seen, I've seen the church on its best day and I've experienced the joy that you can experience from being a part of a healthy church. I've experienced the exact opposite of well, as well. You know, Jen and I have experienced the very worst of what the church can be. And I still love the church. So my, for Jen and I, our response is not to, to, to get rid of it, but actually we want to change it from within. We want to create a place where, not because we want to be liked by society, like, you know, being loved by society is not one of the goals of the church. 
But I think if we were doing our job of representing Jesus well in our society, then I think the story would be different. And so I think part of why we're here as this church is that we have to try and push back against the overwhelming tide of negativity that exists about the church in our, in our society, in, in this um, you know, media landscape. So that's number three. Uh, and number four, this is the last one. You've done really well. These are like big topics, right? You've done very well. Number four, because I believe that God is not done with Toowoomba. I've got this book uh, that Nancy gave me just a few minutes ago, which is a bit of the... You can't borrow it. I'm going to read it. Um, <laughs> then you can, you can ask Nancy for it afterwards. But it's, it's a, a, a book basically about the vision um, for, the, for Toowoomba that was, what, 15, 20, how long ago? Back in the day. Let's just go with back in the day. <laughs> 20, 25 years ago, um, it's a book about, um, you know, the, the church leaders and God's vision for Toowoomba. And if you know, I mean, most of you have been here longer than Jen and I, so you probably know some of the ways that in the past Toowoomba has really been a, a light on a hill, like quite literally. Like we've been, a, we've been an incredible voice here in Toowoomba for the nation of Australia. Um, but if you've been around for a while, you probably know that that's, not the same anymore. Um, I, I probably, I mean, I don't, I don't even really know how to articulate the story of what changed. I'm still learning that. Um, but, you know, the story of Toowoomba has changed. And the way that we, we, you know, the way that the church works together, the way that the church uh, influences our city, influences our nation, it's not the same anymore. Uh, and, and several people have told me independently, um, so I, I feel like it's, it's a corroborated fact that the biggest church in Toowoomba is actually those who go to church, who, who don't go to church. The biggest church is those who don't go to church. And part of that is because when things fall apart, people get hurt. Um, people get broken. People get frustrated, um, disillusioned. And like I said before, often it's for very good reasons. For some bizarre reason, Jen and I have just always found in our ministry that the people we seem to minister to really well are people who have had bad experiences of church. Um, And if you ask any church planting guru, who are the worst people to have in a church plant? They say people who have been burned by church. Stay away from them. (laughs) Don't start a church for people who have been burned by church. But for whatever reason, you keep showing up. And somehow you find healing, um, even if it's just a little bit. But, you know, I really believe... Uh, I don't know if this is just my idea, if this is a prophetic word. Take it as you will. But I really believe that God does want to bring renewal in this city. Dare I even say the other R word? Revival. In this city. And I feel like he wants to use people that the church left behind. I think God is still writing the story of this city. I don't think we've seen the best version of Toowoomba yet. I think the best is yet to come, and I think God is passionate about using people who the church has left behind to see that breakthrough, to see that change in our city. Yes, thank you. Amen. That's right. That's huge. I mean, what, what happens if God does that? What a story. What a story of God using the broken pieces that got left behind to create something incredible. You know, there's a, there's a book about that. It's called the Bible. It's what God does. He takes broken pieces, he puts them together and creates something even better. So, yeah, let's see that. So that's our why. 
that's why we're here. We're here because we're, we live in a society that's born into hurry. Um, our society is very divided. The church has lost its place in Australian society, and God's not done with this city. So let's see what he wants to do. You know, there's never been a better time for a new church than right now. And I really believe that God's put us here to just be a small part of the solution. Like we're not it, but we're a part of it. So how are we going to go about doing that? Let's go to our next circle. Let's see how we're going for time. Wow, okay. We're actually doing, we're actually doing okay. I didn't expect that. Now, if, in terms of the how question, how are we going to go about doing what we're doing the first 10 weeks that we of the podcast were when we were meeting in our home. There was just like just a handful of us. Um, some of you were there. And we just talked it through our values, like the, the sort of the how things, like what's our unique take on doing church. So I want to recommend you listen to those podcasts if you want to understand the how question. But what I want to talk about today is just one singular thing, which is culture. So what am I talking about when I'm talking about culture? Well, on the next slide, I've got a a handy diagram for this. Oh, sorry. Yeah, next one. So when when we talk about people, a person can have character. So when you meet someone who's really upstanding, who has really healthy views, um, who's really proactive, who's when you meet a, a good person, you will usually describe them as a person of character. Well, in exactly the same way, I think that as 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 people have character, I think that communities have culture. It's the same thing. And so when we're talking about culture, we're like, what kind of, what kind of communal person are we going to be as a church? And I've got a few ideas about this. Um, so the, what kind of culture do we want? Well, the first thing is I think we want to be a culture that's fixated on Jesus. It's so easy to start with Jesus, you know, to, to have him as our starting place, have the scriptures as our starting place, but then kind of run away with the ideas without coming back to him. And I would, the, if there's only one thing on, on this list that we would do, um, because I think it kind of fills all the others, I would desire for us to be a community fixated on Jesus. Second thing, I would love us to be a community that are growth-minded. When we read the, the end of Jesus' ministry, according to Matthew's Gospel, he says he basically releases the church with a mission, which we call the Great Commission, um, which is like a co-mission, mission with Christ. Have you ever noticed that before? Uh, but we've got this mission as a church to go and make disciples of all nations. Now, when we read through the Gospels, it's really easy for us to identify more with Jesus and less with the disciples. Have you ever noticed that? And, and the reality is, I mean, I think we should, we, our aim is to be like Jesus. That's what the disciples were learning how to do. But I think in more ways, we actually should be relating to the disciples because they, they didn't get it right a lot of the time. And we love to laugh at that, but I think that we're just as bad, if not worse. I mean, I'll, put my, I'll say that about myself, and you can agree with me if you want to, but the whole, the whole point of being a disciple is that you're a lifelong learner. And so having a growth mindset means recognizing that we're always learning, always growing, and there's always more to discover. It's the opposite of this idea that there is this fixed truth and we just have to cling to that and never change. Does that make sense? We're actually, we're always learning, always growing, always developing, always discovering more. The next thing is spiritually mature, a spiritually mature community. Another word that I would use for that is spiritual formation. And it's this idea that 
The things that we believe aren't just ideas in our head, but they're also actions in our lives. That we, we're a community of people who know how to pray individually and communally. We're a community of people who know how to fast, how to, how to get on our knees, how to, um, how to read our Bibles and how to, how to form helpful habits that help us to actually grow and mature as Christians. And so that we'd be a community that is spiritually mature. Another one, and this is, let me just explain what I mean by intellectually honest. Intellectually honest, it's the opposite of unquestioning belief. Something I read about a lot on Instagram from people who are unhappy about the church is, is that a lot of the time churches sort of say, well, what, what we say at the front is what the Bible says, and that's what you believe, and you don't question that. And if you ask questions, that's bad. You're not allowed to do that. And so intellectual honesty, it means casting aside that sort of dogmatic way of looking at it and going, I actually do have a lot of questions. I, I, you know, I've been a pastor for a long time and I still can't quite reconcile why there's so much suffering in a world that's governed by a good and loving God. I'm still working that out. You know, I, there, are, there are passages that I read, there are questions about things like heaven and hell that I'm still trying to get my head around. And I think to stand up and say, this is, this is what you have to believe and that's it, it just, it's not intellectually honest because it, it fails to recognise that you know, the reason that these issues are, are still contentious by the smartest academics in the world is because we don't know. Sometimes the bravest thing that you can say as a Christian when you're faced with some of these topics, these big topics, is, I don't know. And it's not like throwing your hands up in the air and going, oh, I don't know, I don't care. It's like, it's going, I've looked at the options, I've considered them, and I still don't know. And I think if you can be comfortable with not knowing, it will bring your faith to a whole new level. Um, emotionally healthy. This, this comes back a bit to what I was saying before about how church is bought into this culture of hurry, but it's basically the opposite of churches that burn people out. We want to be a church where you come on a Sunday, you engage in activities, you, you, know, you get involved with the life of the church, and rather than getting burnt out, you actually get more energised. And I think that comes by learning to be emotionally healthy together. Quickly reconciling. Um, we've talked about this quite a bit over the last few weeks. Kath's talk um, about five or six weeks ago as part of our Sermon on the Mount series, I think she did a beautiful job of this. But we don't want to be one of those churches where there are cliques and divisions and politics. Now, in some ways, it's impossible to live out that vision because when there are more than a handful of people, things get tricky, things get political. The solution to that is to be a community who are committed to quickly reconciling with, our, with, with one another and, and quickly learn, when, when problems arise, actually dealing with it rather than shoving them under the rug and pretending they're not there. Something that we want to develop is a culture of feedback. Now, this is, in many ways, this is about the way that Jen and I leave space. But we, you know, we, we're, we're leaders of the church. You know, we're really grateful that God has given this, us a position of authority. And we recognise that as leaders in the church, there's a great responsibility that we have to honour our people. The worst thing that can happen is that we get so full of ourselves that we don't listen to what you have to say. And so we want to create a culture where you all know that you can come to us and bring feedback. When we get things wrong, please tell us nicely, but please let us know. Like, we want to know when we, um, you know, when when there are things that are missing 
from the way that we're doing church, when we're putting too much emphasis on something rather than something else, let us know. And sometimes, and, and part of the culture feedback is that we'll listen, we'll evaluate, and sometimes we'll act on it. And we'll actually be willing to do that. Sometimes there might be a reason. And so we won't act on all of your feedback all the time. But it's important that it, we're not just listening, we're also responding and engaging. And then the, fine thing, uh, the final thing in our culture is we want you to know that there's an open back door. Um, quite literally, but also you have permission to leave this church. If there is a church that suits you better in Toowoomba, then you should go there, unless God's led you here for some other reason. Um, But, you know, we don't want to be closed-fisted. Like, we don't want to use the language our people because we're all God's people, right? And and our vision is, is not just for ourselves as a church, but it's for our city and our nation. And sometimes, you know, things will come up and and it just doesn't work for you to be here anymore. We want to give you permission to go. Do the conversations. Come and chat to us. Um, If if there's something we can help you with to make it work better, then we'll do that. But if if you need to go, then you're allowed to do that. We'll send you with our blessing, with our love. We know lots of beautiful churches in this city. We can help you find the right one. So that's our how. Let's, uh, Let's now chat about what we're going to do. So we've talked about why we're here. We've talked about how we're going to go about doing things in terms of culture. So the final section is what are we actually going to do? What's church going to look like? The way that I see it, there's four categories. um, And there's different ways to cut this up. This isn't the only right. This isn't theology. This is just our, our practice. There's four ways to cut up the activities of a church. The first thing, and I believe our primary calling as human beings is to worship God. Because when we do that, we come into alignment with who we are created to be. The second, and we talked about this with the Great Commission, that part of, oh, it's missing a dot on that I, isn't it? Anyway, there's kind of two on the other one, so it just, it moved somehow. <laughs> so the second thing is that as a church, part of our job is to make disciples. Now that includes, when we talk about, people like to talk about evangelism, I think discipleship incorporates evangelism, but is bigger than that. That's another sermon. Um, the next thing is community. <laughs> uh, the next thing is we're called to create a community of people um, who are following after Jesus and a place for believers to belong. Then finally, um, we are called to do life on mission and actually serve the city and go beyond just ourselves to see God's kingdom come. Probably the main thing that we're going we're gonna to do, and this is this is just... This is just Western church, right? One of the, the main things we're going to continue to put our emphasis on is doing Sunday services because, I mean, our role as a church is not to run services. It's to do these things. But Sunday services are a really efficient way of building community, worshipping God, and doing discipleship all in one go. So we're going to continue to put emphasis on that. Another thing that is really smart for uh, churches to do, which we're going to launch really soon, definitely by the end of the year, is small groups. Because small groups give you an opportunity to particularly build community in a way that's a bit deeper uh, than what's possible on a Sunday and also do the discipleship question. I just saw the dot on the eye. That's... Sorry, I just caught cotton on to what you guys were talking about before. Well done. Um, so small groups are coming. Another thing that we are absolutely passionate about is kids. We love that the kids come and play and have a good time. We want to teach them about Jesus. We want to disciple them from age zero. 
Um, and so that's another thing that we're really actively thinking about. How do we do kids well? So what about mission? We've talked about community, worship, and discipleship. How are we actually going to serve our community? Something that we've talked about a bunch, particularly in the early days, um, but a conversation we need to pick up again is that where Toowoomba is a serving city. The biggest industries here are education, healthcare, and social services. And so, so many people in Toowoomba are actually doing ministry nine to five, Monday to Friday, or night shifts if you're in, in you know, you're doing that as well. But so many people are actually vocationally doing ministry already. And so, we don't want to create a space where you come to church and we say, you have to do mission when you're already doing it. So wouldn't it be better if for many people we could actually focus on empowering people to do the mission that God has already called them to vocationally and that actually being okay? Um, So that's going to be a big part of it. But then also as a church, there are things that we need to engage with uh, in in our city so that we can have uh, even more impact. So some of the things we're thinking about are, do we run courses? They're a really smart way of, of tackling issues at a grassroots level. So things like the Alpha course, introducing people to Christianity. The marriage course, help, you know, I think when we help people have strong, healthy marriages, it actually has a, a knock-on effect um, way beyond just that marriage. Um, there's a parenting course uh, that, uh, that the Alpha people have put out. The thing that gets me a bit, like, riled up is there's no singleness course. Like, so many of the courses we have are all about empowering and equipping families. And can we actually train and equip our singles to be really, really effective in ways that married people with kids can't be? You know, Paul's vision in the Bible for Christians is is vocational singleness. And if you can't hack it, then you can get married. (laughs) And so why don't we have courses for people being really good singles? So anyway, that's just one of my personal bugbears. If anyone finds that course... Let me know. If we don't find it, let's make it. Um, Domestic and family violence is an issue that doesn't get talked about nearly enough in the church. And research would suggest there was a big church uh, report put out by the Anglicans a few years ago that domestic and family violence is just as prevalent inside the church as outside, if not more so. And unfortunately, the church for a long time has preached theologies that actually empower uh, domestic and... uh, pretty much facilitate domestic and family violence. I've joined a little working group of pastors in Toowoomba that are trying to work out how we tackle this issue. And it might stay a a thing that pastors do. It might be something we can get involved with. The conversation's just starting, but that's something that's happening in the background I wanted you to know about. We meet in a a space owned by Raw Impact, um, who are an incredible organisation that do work in both Cambodia and also with our First Nations. Jen and I are leaving tomorrow morning to go and bring a team of maybe 30, 40 kids from Noosa Christian College to go and meet Aboriginal elders, to hear their stories and to have their minds changed about the First Nations question uh, in a conversation in our nation. And so maybe it's a no-brainer to get involved with that. Hold the, what's this space? We're surrounded in Toowoomba by refugees who've come out of some of the most horrific experiences Um, entire communities um, that have been profoundly affected by genocide. And so, and we've got people in our church who are doing an amazing job of ministering to them. So maybe, maybe that's something to get involved with. Um, And we're also in a community that, that has a lot of affluence, but also a lot of poverty. You know, in Toowoomba, we're quite a small city. And so in some ways, 
It's on our doorstep. So maybe there's a way we get involved with that. So the mission question, we're really seeking the Lord and wanting to understand that this is a really good place for you to engage in the conversation with us and tell us what's on your heart, um, what you want to see the church doing because, you know, we, we want to be good citizens of our, of our city and we want to engage with the issues in our city. Um, the last question, and this is probably what most of a typical vision talk at a church would cover, but what does growth actually look like? You know, in, in two years' time, what's it going to be like coming on a Sunday or, or being involved in the life of the church? You know, one question is, do we keep meeting in the, in the dusty warehouse forever? Um, quite possibly. I mean, we've been looking at other venue options and basically as soon as they find out we're at church, they say no. So maybe we will, but we had this idea of like, what if rather than, it's sort of this assumption that if you're a church, you're trying to save up so you can buy a facility to meet on Sundays. Like that's just almost an assumption. What if rather than doing that, we could save up and buy a facility that could be a community hub? you know, where we have co-working, where we have kids' programs and, and playgroups during the week, where um, people can come who are homeless and be fed, uh, where we can run courses that we talked about before, where what if our investment in, in property is actually more about what happens on Monday to Saturday than on Sundays, and then we just meet in school halls or wherever we can find. It's a leaner model, and it means that if, if part of our vision is to grow and multiply, then when we send 50 people from our church to a new location, we just find a smaller venue because we're not locked into a property. Now, there's heaps of advantages of buying your own Sunday meeting space. We, we take a tub of washing up home every week, um, which we wouldn't have to do. But anyway, um, it's, it's a question. It's a long way off, but it's a question we're asking. In terms of one of the questions people often ask us is, how big do you want your church to be? And I, I just, I don't, I don't like the question. You know, like, it's important. Like, we want to grow. We don't want to be a small church, but we don't have a target number in mind anyway. What we want is we want the right number to facilitate the mission that's addressing our why that we already talked about. So let's find out. Let's invite our friends and see what the right number is to be the most effective church connected to our mission that we can be. Uh, model, do we want to be a mega church? Do we want to be a house church movement? <laughs> Thanks for laughing at that one, Jen. Mega church. Uh, do we, no, we don't want to be a mega church. Uh, do we want to be a house church uh, hub? Do we want to be a campus model? We, we tried something at Northridge that was really interesting. It's this idea of communities, which is sort of halfway between campuses uh, and church plants. So communities are connected to the structure of the church. Um, they're, you know, 10, 20 minutes down the road. Um, and so you have these, these communities that have you know, leaders over the community who come up with the teaching, who do pastoral care, who, who sort of facilitate in many ways what a church leader would do, but without having the administrative overhead of starting a new church. Might not be the right model for us, but let's find out. It, it's, Jen and I certainly loved it in Sydney. Uh, and then finally, finances. How is this funded? Well, um, we, don't, uh, we don't have some, you know, giant corporate backer who's, you know, just like sending cash our way. Um, we were really generously sent by, um, by Northridge, and so we have a great startup fund. Um, but ultimately, we need to be self-funded. So, um, but we, also, we just wanted to say, you know, we've been talking about giving for six months since we started in our house in January, and we've seen it consistently grow month on month to the point that it's really healthy for a church of our size. So we want to say thank you 
um, because what you're doing is you're actually facilitating everything that we've talked about so far because unfortunately churches need money to do stuff. Now I am going to stop now because it's time. I have thrown a whole bunch of ideas at you, right? I, this, I, I warned you, we're just going to throw a whole bunch of ideas at the fans and see where they land. Now, unlike the pens in that classroom on that fateful day, I can't see where those ideas have landed. So we would love you to tell us, is there something that got your attention? Did you notice that we spent a long time talking about why, then less time talking about how, and then even less than what? Did you notice that? It's because... It's because we want to start with our why. We want to remain anchored in that why and let the how and the what flow out of that. Like I talked about with size, like we want to be the, the size of church that best fulfills our mission. So we live in a, a world that's changing very rapidly and the church models, the ideas, the solutions that worked 10 years ago don't work anymore. We have just started and we have this really exciting opportunity to do things differently. We don't want to be a church that does a million things uh, in the hope of, of impacting someone. We want to choose a few things and do them really well. So we're not going to do everything that we've talked about today. But we would love your help in collaborating and working out what the future looks like for Toowoomba Vineyard Church, for Toowoomba, for Australia. So what we're going to do now, I'm aware of the time, but I just want to take five minutes to, to stop and pray in small groups because... I said at the start, this all starts in prayer. So what I would love for us to do now, um, I'm going to pray for us, um, and then I would just want us to split into small groups to pray for our city and to pray for the future of this church. So can we do that? Great. Thank you. Well, Lord Jesus, we, there's, there's like a million ideas spinning around in our collective heads right now. And so, Lord, just help them to spin around for as long as they need to spin around for, and then, then help the right ideas to settle and the things that are not for us to hold, Lord, help them to fall by the wayside. We are so passionate, Jesus, about, we're fixated on you. We read about you in the scriptures and we just, we just want to be a church that is faithful to who you are, to your example, Lord. Lord, for anyone who, whether it's past experience or whether it's... Um, whether it's just a lack of, of self-belief, Lord, anyone who feels like, you know, they can't contribute, that they don't belong, that their voice doesn't matter, for anyone who feels that way, Lord, just break those lies right now. Lord, help us to realise that we're not, a, we're not an audience that come to receive entertainment, that we're actually a team who are being sent on a mission that we don't quite understand yet. But Lord, just change, change that conversation in our hearts. And help us to be the church that you dream of for Toowoomba. Lord, would you be our vision? Would you be our guide? Thank you, Lord. Thank you that we get to be a part of this fun adventure together. Amen. Wow, you made it to the end. Good job. If you want to listen to more of our messages, just search out Toowoomba Vineyard Church wherever you listen to the podcast. You can also check out our website at tvc.org.au and find us on Insta at Toowoomba Vineyard. We'll chuck those links in the notes so you don't have to remember. That's all for now and hope you have an excellent week.